family and I are not there this morning. We're in Sioux Falls. I had the opportunity to do a wedding ceremony yesterday for a young couple. And our daughter, Madeline, and her husband, Ben, were able to join us. And we decided to take the entire weekend just for some extra family time and some rest and relaxation. And we are grateful to Thaddeus and to Justin and to Kendra, to all of those who really helped make this weekend possible. Thank you guys so much for picking up some extra stuff just so that we could get away. We appreciate it so much. I also wanted to make this short video as an introduction to our guest speaker this morning. I have wanted him to come and share with our congregation for a number of months, and uh, unfortunately it's actually working out uh, on a Sunday that I'm not there, but I wanted to be the one to introduce him to you. Uh, Dr. Jeremy Zajek is the new head of school at James Valley Christian School. He and his family moved here last summer from Guam where he was serving as the head of school. Prior to that, he actually served as a head of school in Minnesota as well. And uh, he has only been here for this first school year, but I believe he's already made a tremendous impact on our school. Uh, I've enjoyed watching him work with our advisory board and our executive committee to help hone and develop the vision that we believe God has for James Valley Christian School here in this community. Uh, I appreciate his leadership style, which really brings so many different people to the table uh, so that they can have input into uh, what God is doing and what God has for our school. And so I am grateful for the opportunity to work with him, uh, to work for him. I have enjoyed watching him interact with students and parents and staff members and I have learned so much from his leadership style just from the genuineness not only of love for people but his love for the Lord his love for the word his love for Christian education and the passion he has to see hearts and minds of students transformed so they can make an impact in this world for Christ and so I want you to make sure you make him feel welcome as he comes to share this morning. I know you're going to be blessed as he pulls some insights out of the Word. And uh, before he comes to share that, uh, we're going to show you a short video that highlights some of the things that happen at James Valley Christian School. And then he'll follow that up with a little bit more about the school. And so just to help you be aware of how you can partner with James Valley Christian School to transform the hearts and minds of students so they can impact the world for Christ. Take a look at this. The mission of James Valley Christian School is to teach a biblically-based education, transforming hearts and minds to impact the world for Christ. The basis from which ideas and principles are taught differentiates a James Valley Christian education from others. Our foundation is found in 2 Timothy 3.16, which says, All scripture is breathed out by God and is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness. James Valley Christian partners with parents to invest time and effort into allowing God to transform students' hearts and minds. Our goal is that children develop and model personal character that shines as a light in our communities. To impact means to have a strong effect on someone or something. Matthew 9.37 states, The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. At James Valley Christian, we want to equip students to impact eternity by laboring for the gospel in whatever vocation God calls them. At our school, students may be involved in band, basketball, chapel worship team, choir, cross country, dual credit classes, golf, instrumental lessons, a multimedia class, one-act play, oral interpretation, service opportunities, soccer, spirit club, student-led devotions, track, volleyball, and a weekly chapel. 
We'd love the opportunity to visit with you about whether James Valley Christian School is right for your family. Please give us a call or visit jvcs.org to learn more. Good morning. It's uh, it's a blessing to see you. It's a blessing to be here. I appreciate the uh, introduction by Pastor Brantner. It's a joy to work with him as well. And uh, actually, there's a couple of faces that I get to work with on a regular basis, and uh, Miss Walters is one of them. So um, they are a joy to my day. Today, um, before I get into the message that, that I'd like to share with you, um, you heard it multiple times in Pastor Tom's introduction as well as the video. Um, but that's our, our mission and our core values uh, at James Valley Christian School. And I really use the core values uh, in my mind to answer the question, why Christian education? Is it, is it really important? And so as you can see uh, on the screen behind me on my first slide, um, teaching, transforming, and impacting. Those are three core values. And uh, Mrs. Niederbommer in that video actually read the scriptures that go along with that. Teaching is important because there's a, there's a basis by which we teach. And I think that differentiates us a little bit at James Valley. And we teach that the Bible is God's word. Amen? And we see that in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verse 16. And it's profitable for a bunch of things. There's a whole list of those things as we go through that passage, um, such as teaching, uh, reproof, which is kind of a correction, um, and for training in righteousness. And so the second one is transforming. The passage that we take for that is Romans chapter 12, verses 1 and 2. We hope to renew our minds through the process of education. Um, as much as we'd like to transform um, to the best of our ability, we, we need the help of the Holy Spirit. And so we, we ask and we get to pray regularly for our students and highlight that <clears throat> spiritual component because we do need God's help as, they, as he works uh, in the hearts and the minds of not just the students, uh, but the staff, the staff as well. And the third is to impact the world for Christ. Um, yeah, what does that mean? Impact the world for Christ. The reference that we use there is Matthew chapter 9, verse 30, 37. It talks about the harvest. The harvest is plentiful. Jesus said this. The harvest is plentiful, but the laborers are few. And so whatever the vocation that our students would go on to do in the future, um, we want them to impact the world for Christ, whether it's in banking or farming or business or in ministry. Um, we hope to, to teach the skills um, and the heart attitude that goes along with it to make these students make an impact in the harvest um, because Matthew 9 says, man, we, we need some more laborers in the field for that. I also get the opportunity to talk to parents that maybe don't necessarily send their kids to James Valley. And so I always start with this scripture too with them. It's Deuteronomy chapter 6, verses 5 through 7. What's awesome is that God gives you as parents the responsibility to make a decision or a choice for your, for your, for your children. And um, whether that's homeschooling or public schooling, um, the one thing that's in that passage, um, it says, Love the Lord your God with all your strength. And then the non-negotiable part in the, in the latter part of that passage is teach them diligently to your children. 
And so even if you don't send your kids to James Valley, that's okay. Take that seriously, that passage seriously, and teach them to your kids because that's, that's the most important thing you can do. And you can do it well in, in another mode of education that you choose. So thanks for letting me do a brief infomercial there on James Valley Christian School. Uh, appreciate it. Um, it's really, uh, it's been 10 months now, and uh, we love being in this community, love being part of the school, um, and, and thank you for letting us be a part of your church here today. The message that I want to share with you is actually from Psalms chapter 1 uh, today. It's the whole psalm. It's only six verses, so it's not super long. Um, but before we get there, um, I want to ask the question to you, I suppose rhetorically, <laughs> but what does effectiveness look like? Okay, And on the screen you can see a picture of Psalm 1 that I, that I love that imagery that's there and a definition of effectiveness, the degree to which someone is successful in producing the desired result or success. I like to ask people questions sometimes because I think it's a good way to learn. And two questions that, I, that I'm in the habit of asking recently are these two questions. Number one, what do you hope to do in your lifetime? It's kind of a big question, isn't it? Like if someone asked that to me, it'd take me off guard just a little bit. It's a big question that probably requires a big answer. What do you hope to do with your life? The second one is, um, what accomplishment are you most proud of? If you think about just the time that God has given you here on this earth, whether young or old, what is the, what is the thing that you're most proud of? And I think the answer to this question is that um, it's going to vary, obviously, but I think as people answer this question, they often, there's an element of they want to be effective. They want to use their life for something that matters, right? I don't think any of us want to get to the end of our life and it's like, man, I'm not sure if I did any good. And so I think, I think that is, is part of the answer, even if it's not necessarily stated. We all hope to make an impact in one way or another. And so with that question kind of burning in our mind, I'd like to look at Psalms chapter 1. Um, but before I do that, um, Peter Drucker, uh, you may be familiar with him. He was, um, I would say many would call him the father of modern management philosophy. A little bit of my testimony before I came into Christian education, I worked in the business world. Um, I went to Bible college. I, I actually went to Christian school, kindergarten through 12th grade, uh, and then a Christian college. Um, and um, then I, I just felt knowing that God wanted me to go into business, and so I did that. And um, in doing that, I wanted to be used effectively. Um, and I came across one of these quotes uh, from Peter Drucker. The quote says, the fundamental problem is the reality around us. Unless we change it by deliberate action, the flow of events will determine what we're concerned with and what we do. Now, this isn't necessarily biblical truth, but I think it's conventional wisdom. And I, I, I disagree probably with a part of it. I don't think the fundamental problem is the reality. I think the fundamental problem as believers is that we're sinners. <laughs> but I think there's a lot of truth to this. Um, as I think about like an image in my mind that would describe this quote, um, I don't know, how many of you have been to Splash Central before? <laughs> yeah, right? And being in the lazy river, right? Um, I, I jumped in there this past summer and this is kind of the image that I get in my eye. The problem with effectiveness sometimes is the reality around us. Um, which way is the river flowing? Well, you know, because everyone's just kind of floating in the same direction and it's lazy and it's slow unless my kids are in there, then they're going the wrong direction and the lifeguard is whistling and all those sorts of things. But that is true of our life sometimes. Sometimes we let 
the events and the circumstances around us impact what we do. And so as we look at Psalms chapter one, I want this to be kind of a challenge to, to, to assess some of those important things, some of those circumstances in our life to make sure that we're headed uh, in a path that's gonna bring us maximum effectiveness. And we wanna define effectiveness too, not necessarily as fame or fortune or, or money, but how we would define effectiveness from a biblical standpoint. So if you have your Bible, you could open up to Psalm chapter one. It'll also be on the screen behind me. And I'm gonna give you just kind of three brief points uh, from this passage. Psalms chapter one, uh, starting in verse one, this is out of the, the ESV. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. But his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. He is like a tree, planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season and its leaf does not wither and all that he does he prospers the wicked are not so but are like the chaff that the wind drives away therefore the wicked will not stand in the judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous for the lord knows the way of the righteous but the way of the wicked will perish as i think through and, and look at this psalm there's really three uh, I don't know. It's either a flow chart in my mind or plots along a map. Um, if you can remember MapQuest when you go onto the internet and print one of those things off and there's one line for each. There's kind of like three lines of instruction here that I see. And um, I want to mention each of these in a point to you and then make some application here at the end. I see a natural progression from influences to the delights in our life to the effectiveness. So those three things we want to focus on this morning. Influences, our delights, and our effectiveness. As you look on the next slide, I make this statement. If we desire to, to have maximum effectiveness in our lives, we must evaluate the influences in our lives. Think back to that, that quote on, that I gave to you about from Peter Drucker or the Lazy River. What are the influences in our life? If I were to ask that question and ask for some answers, it would vary. It would take some time to kind of let that settle in and really honestly assess what they are because it's not just maybe an easy answer of, well, it's so-and-so. I think it's complex in our, in, our, in our world today. I think it can be people. Um, I think it can be things. I could think it can be entertainment. And so as we go, kind of go down the list and, I, and as I kind of preach this to myself before I, before I preach it to you is what are the influences in my life? And I want to honestly assess those things. Does social media play a role in that? Uh, does the news play a role in that? Um, how about politics? Or what about entertainment? Does entertainment play a role in the influences in my life? I suppose there are probably different ways to measure um, the influences in our lives. Um, and I thought a little bit about that for some time. What are some ways that I might measure? Well, my, priority, my, my, my priorities, um, how I might spend my time, um, that might reveal what the influences are in my life or what I might think is important. Or, or how about the money that I spend too? That might also reveal some of the priorities in my life. If you look with me again at verse uh, number one, it says, blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. We see in this verse, right off the bat, the word blessed, or the righteous person, right? 
Um, what's interesting is I'm not a theologian, but I can read theological books, <laughs> and they can give me some good ideas, which I can pass along to you. But that very first word, blessed, um, I, I've, I've been told and read and understand that that is, a, that is a plural term. So it's not just a singular blessing. It's, it's a multiplicity of blessings in our life, which is, which is a tremendous thing to think about. So as we think about what the righteous person or the blessed person does, they don't, it's approached from a negative standpoint. They don't do three specific things, okay? Um, they, don't, they don't walk in the counsel of the wicked or stand in the way of sinners nor sit in the seat of scoffers. So um, those, three, those three actions of walks, I guess, walk, um, stand, and sit. <laughs> There's a natural progression there. Um, I had the opportunity um, to teach um, in uh, elementary chapel this week on Friday. And I had it on my calendar several weeks in advance, and then it got moved, I think because of a snow day, actually. That wasn't that long ago, it's hard to believe. Um, and so I failed, Mrs. Niederbommer said, move it to this day. Well, I, I probably was busy, I didn't move it to the right day. And so she came in at, at uh, 8.15 and said, you ready for chapel? <laughs> and I'm like, what chapel? <laughs> Uh, elementary chapel, remember when I told you? I'm like, oh yeah, I do remember, and I remember not putting it on my calendar. So I had the opportunity to share this with the elementary um, on just this past Friday, and, and just it was perfect because I was working on this challenge for Restoration Church, and so I was able to take something meaningful. But as I was sharing with, uh, with this message to, uh, to the kids, there's a natural progression, right? And I think kids can understand this. And if we put it from that perspective, we might be able to identify a little bit. But we've seen kids go from listening, right? Or walking in the counsel of the wicked. Counsel, that word is like kind of taking advice. There's a legal component of it. So listening to things that they shouldn't necessarily be doing. To the next phase, which is standing in the way of sinners or standing around, right? Not necessarily participating, but being okay to just kind of associate with that specific thing that's going on to the last component which is sitting in the seat of the scoffer which means participating or joining in so they go from listening to just kind of hanging out to actually doing something negative at the playground and they all kind of laugh because they know it's true it's a natural progression that we see in our lives and i would say that's really true for us as adults too as we think about the influences in our lives we have to be really careful because sometimes they're intentional influences i may seek something out like a podcast or, uh, or a specific preacher to listen to that challenge. Um, but I think there's unintentional influences as well. And if we're not careful with the time that we spend in our life, sometimes that can unintentionally influence in ways of just going from uh, listening to actually participating in something um, to kind of owning it in, in, in doing, the, doing part of things that we would know, you know, a week or two weeks before, a month before, whatever the case is, we could never see ourselves doing that. But here we are some way doing that. And that's because we let those influences in our life impact us. So number one, if we desire maximum effectiveness in our lives, we must evaluate the influences in our lives. Moving on to the second point here, again, focusing on the maximum effectiveness in our lives, we understand that influences impact our delights. Point number two is we understand that influences impact our delights. Delight is a little bit of a strange word. I don't know if you hear it very often, um, you know, in your normal life. I don't. Um, you know, I think maybe one time that I see it is when I, I buy coffee creamer, it says international delight. That's, that's probably a time when I see it pretty regularly. Um, but if we're driving down the road and we're, you know, we're interested in supper, it's like, you know, kids, what, what would you delight in for supper? <laughs> uh, no, it's more like, what do you want or what sounds good? 
Um, but the word is delight. It's interesting. It actually comes from a Latin root of means to charm. And one of the things that comes to mind when I think of the word delight, um, it's the, uh, the Chronicles of Narnia by C.S. Lewis, who happened to be a theologian as well. Uh, but he, had, uh, he, he, he created a, a book series. They've since been made into, into movies, uh, The Chronicles of Narnia. And in, in one of them, Edmund was one of his characters. And Edmund was enamored by Turkish delight. Has anyone ever had Turkish delight before? Okay, two or three people. And my family would make three more. All right. So let me tell you a little story about, about Turkish Delight. So in Guam, there's one major store uh, where you buy clothing, and it's called Ross. I had never heard of it because I'm from Minnesota. They're apparently in the southern part of the U.S. And they're actually, I think there's one in Sioux Falls as well. But my first exposure to Ross was going to Guam. And it's crazy. It's always busy. Um, the prices are cheap, which is great, and that's why people go there, I suppose. Um, and you get all your shopping done. And the worst part about Ross is I think intentionally they have like one or two uh, cashiers. And then you kind of go through this maze as you wait your turn to get to the cashier. And I think it's intentional because then they stock these shelves with like candy. And it's especially dangerous to go through with your kids because they're like, oh, can I have these gummy worms? Can I have this? Can I have that? And pretty soon you've added, you know, $50 onto your bill of just pure sugar by the end of it. Well, one of these times there was some Turkish delight there, and um, I'd never had it before, so I so we purchased it. And it, it's actually pretty delicious. Uh, but back to my original illustration is Edmund was enamored with Turkish delight. Um, the, the, there, it's an allegory, if you're not familiar with it. There's, there's good versus evil. And Edmund was kind of stuck in the middle. He didn't know which way to go. But he was charmed to some degree by Turkish delight. And in the, in the ice queen gave him some. And from that moment on, that was his one single pursuit, really, throughout the rest of the movie. It was like, I want to get back to the castle. I don't care if I have to, you know, stab my brothers in the back, or you know, not, not literally, but figuratively, um, because I really want the queen to give me more Turkish delight. So I'd like to ask you the question, what do you delight in? Right, in verse 2, we see the blessed person, or the righteous person, they delight in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. So what do we delight in? As I was thinking about this in my own life, something immediately jumped to mind, and I have this in common um, with uh, Pastor Bradner, and we both delight in coffee. <laughs> we love coffee. That's like the first thing that has to happen in the morning. In fact, when I wake up, I'm usually thinking about coffee, um, and I, I, I think about it multiple times because I have multiple cup, cups throughout the day. One thing I really appreciate about Pastor Tom is that we now have great coffee in the office. Before it was like one tablespoon and it was just, it was like colored water. It didn't taste like anything. But we have instructions now. One, two rounded scoops for a good pot of coffee and we're talking like a full cup. <laughs> for a mediocre, it says one rounded scoop and he says for anything less, consider something else. <laughs> it's kind of funny. I chuckle every day as I read it. But I delight in coffee. It's, it's something that I go to, something that I think about, something that I, that I really, really enjoy. Um, and I wonder if there's things in our lives, you know, using that imagery, I wonder if there's things in our lives that are like that. Um, what, do we, what do we move to in our downtime? Like if we have a few minutes and we're waiting here or there, is it, is it, am I pulling up my Bible app on my phone or am I pulling up a social media site, right? And I think intentionally or unintentionally, those things can start to impact us long term. And so in this passage, we see, again, in verse number two, the righteous person delights in the law of the Lord. 
that wording there is pretty interesting. It says delights in the law of the Lord, not, not under or oppressed or burdened by the law of the Lord. Sometimes we can think about that, right? Originally, the law was meant to show people that they couldn't reach perfection. We, we needed a savior. Um, but the righteous person delights in the law of the Lord. They're not oppressed by it. There, there's freedom in the law of the Lord. Uh, there's freedom in the word of God that we have. And so to repeat this point, if we desire maximum effectiveness in our lives, we understand that the influences impact our delights. The next slide here is our, my third point. If we desire maximum effectiveness in our lives, we understand that our delights determine our effectiveness. Remember, I kind of given you that analogy um, that there's kind of three points along the way. There's influences, um, there's delights, and ultimately our effectiveness. There's two different parts of this effectiveness that I want to that I want to touch on, and I want to I want to touch on the finality of it first because I think it's really important. Verses five and six talk about effectiveness from an eternal standpoint. Um, effectiveness, I, I would imagine, is being able at the end of our life to say, um, "Well done, thou good and faithful servant." Having Jesus as our personal Savior, and so we see here in verses five and six. I'll read them for you again. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in the judgment, nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. There's this thing called judgment that's coming, right? And there's two options. There isn't like 1A and 1B and 2A and 2B. There's like just two distinct options. <laughs> there's, there's, um, there's heaven and, and there's hell afterwards. And so the finality of it is kind of sobering. The judgment is really real. And, and so when we think about effectiveness, it's not just, you know, as believers, it's not just, man, I'm good. I get to go to heaven. No, we, we have that burden. And, I, and I've heard, um, you know, as Pastor Tom talks about what his discipleship looks like, it's like sharing that good news with others. And so from the standpoint of what effectiveness look, looks like, the finality of it is, is very, very important. Now, the other element that I want to jump back now to verses 3 and, uh, and 4, we see some pictures of effectiveness that I think if we apply them in our hearts um, will, give us, will give us some motivation as we think about this throughout the week, as we, as we think about the influences and the delights uh, and the finality of our effectiveness um, as we think about that the rest of the week. So verse number 3, He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season, and a leaf does not wither, and all that he does he prospers. Now contrast that to the other picture. The wicked are not so, but are like chaff that the wind drives away. So the righteous person we see is, first of all, a couple of characteristics. They're planted by the streams of water. That word planted to me carries, carries a, some intentionality with it, some purposefulness with it. It's not as if it's randomly just located somewhere in a field and there happens to be a stream by it, right? No, it says he's planted. How many have ever planted a tree before? depending on the soil, it can be kind of a big job, right? And so we see this element of intentionality here that they're planted. They're planted specifically in a specific location. And they're planted near streams of water. Another thing that's interesting here, it's not, you know, the picture that I showed you at the beginning probably was just one large body of water where the tree roots were growing into it. But um, the wording here is by streams of water, not, not a stream of water, by streams of water, indicating multiple sources. Why? Well, I suppose if one dries up, there's another one, right? So there's elements of sustainability in that. The third characteristic we see of the righteous person that they bear fruit, uh, they're healthy, uh, they provide value 
you know, in trees that don't produce fruit, you know, when it's hot, shade is good value. But ultimately, getting uh, fruit out of a tree, tremendous value. And they're effective in what they're intended to do. Um, and then the final, the final characteristic we see there of the righteous person is that their leaf is sustained. Sustained through trials, through sustained through difficult times, um, the ebbs and flow of life, the righteous person is sustained by those streams. Now contrast that to the picture that we're given here of the wicked person. Um, they're not so. All of those characteristics that we just talked about, it says they're not so. But instead, they're like this. And it's very short. It says, but they're like chaff that the wind drives away. Now in South Dakota, I suppose a lot of us know what chaff looks like. Um, in Guam, um, they didn't really grow any wheat, so they didn't know. Everyone knows what wheat is, or maybe what a wheat, a wheat berry looks like on the, a wheat head on a, a, a shaft of, of wheat. Um, but the chaff is, is valuable, I suppose, once um, the wheat is growing. It protects the wheat berry. Um, but once they harvest it, it becomes worthless in those days. And it was actually a little bit difficult to separate the wheat from the chaff. And the way they did it was they either put it in a pit and they had an animal walk over it, or they beat it with some sort of instrument, like a shovel or a rake, I suppose. And through that, through that process, it would separate the wheat berry from the chaff. Okay, so now it's kind of in this pit and it's a little bit separated. And their process for getting rid of it completely was waiting for a windy day, which in South Dakota, we wouldn't have to wait very long. <laughs> Any day would do. <laughs> but you throw a huge shovel full up in the air and guess what? The wheat berries are heavy and they fall straight down. The chaff is really light, kind of like a popcorn hole or something. And it just kind of floats away in the wind. And, it, and it's separated easily. And we see that as a picture here of the wicked person. The wicked person has none of those char characteristics of being planted or sustained, um, but they're like chaff, which the wind drives away. And I think as I think about that, there's some elements of, well, it's not a lot of value in chaff, right? Um, and, and, I, and I also think about the, the ability for chaff to be influenced by whichever direction the wind is blowing. If you think about it, it's not gonna flow, you know, counter to the wind. Uh, in the clean-a-thon this past week, I had the opportunity to have a group of kids stay at school and we swept the parking lot, which was kind of a big job. But it was really windy that day and I tried to challenge them to push in the same direction as the wind. Because if you don't, you're gonna get dusty and your face is gonna be messed up and it's gonna be kind of like, it's just not gonna be very effective. Well, the thing is with chaff is whichever way the wind is blowing, that's the way it's gonna go. And if you think about wind from the, from the analogy of influences in our life, whatever direction or whatever thing is popular, man, I don't want to be that. As believers, we should not want that in our life to be so easily influenced um, by the winds of, of popularity or, or whatever in our life. So on my last slide with you, I want to leave you with a couple of questions um, to think about, to pray about the rest of this week. Number one is, how am I defining effectiveness? If you've never been asked that question before, you've not spent time thinking about it, I think it's worthwhile. And just like at the beginning of the challenge that I shared with you, as you think about effectiveness, I think at the end of, the, end of our time, we want to somehow say that we made a difference or we made an impact in one way or another. And so how we define success, let's make sure that lines up with the daily actions that we're doing right now. Remember the progression of influences and delights and effectiveness. Maybe we need to make some adjustments as the second question I ask you is how, who, what are the influences in my life? Do I, need some time, do I need to spend some time thinking about that, assessing that, and then maybe even making some adjustments as God moves and works in my heart.
And then thirdly, what are my delights? If I have, you know, if I, if, I, if I answer this question honestly in my life, it's like, well, if I don't like some of the delights that I have, um, but I don't do anything about it, man, I'm, I'm kind of like the, 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 the quote by Peter Drucker. I'm just in the lazy river. I'm just letting the circumstances or the things around me influence. And I have to take deliberate action in order to change that. And so if I look and assess my life, and if you do the same, and what are my delights? And if I don't like some of the things that show up on that list, man, I gotta make some adjustments. Whether it's then going moving backwards because we can see that progression in the scripture. Maybe I, need to, maybe I need to check out the influences in my life. Are my intentional influences good? How about my unintentional influences? Are they affecting me negatively? And so as I leave with you today, again, how am I defining effectiveness? Number two, who are the influences in my life? And number three, what are the delights in my life? We all desire to use our life, I believe, effectively. If we have a love and an appreciation for the work that Jesus Christ did on the cross for us, that really motivates us to do something different, to get out of that lazy river, <laughs> to look at life a little bit differently. And I want to challenge you and myself in that respect. Let's pray. Father, we're so grateful for the time uh, that you've given us today to open up your word. Lord, it is your word, and we sometimes forget that. The Bible is your word that's been written and preserved for us. We're so blessed to have that. Lord, as we think about um, just the challenge that we see here in Psalms, Lord, there is a progression that we can sometimes see in our life from just being, just listening to something to, to being okay with hanging out with it to then letting it impact what we do. So I pray that as we think about that, Lord, that it would help us to make adjustments in our life. We do desire to be effective. We do want to be motivated by the love that you have for us to share the gospel, to be your disciples. And so, Lord, may this psalm serve as a reminder to us, a motivation to us as we go throughout the week. Pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Jeremy. That was great. That was really good. That was really good. Before we close here, I, I just want to read Psalm 1 one more time. And just to, to solidify the influences that lead to the, our delights, that impact our effectiveness. It's such a great reminder. Psalm 1. Oh, the joys of those who do not follow the advice of the wicked, or stand around with sinners, or join in with mockers, but they delight in the law of the Lord, meditating on it day and night. They're like trees planted along the riverbank, bearing fruit each season. Their leaves never wither, and they prosper in all they do. But not the wicked. They are like worthless chaff scattered by the wind. They will be condemned at the time of judgment. Sinners will have no place among the godly, for the Lord watches over the path of the godly, but the path of the wicked leads to destruction. What a great challenge this morning. And I know I'm convicted about the influences that lead to the delights that impact the effectiveness in my life. And so, grateful for that word this morning for sure. Hey, as a church here at Restoration, we are a supporting partner for James Valley Christian School. So whether you have kids or grandkids or family members that are involved at James Valley, uh, I, I want to challenge you this morning. We, we want to support them. And so we have a basket out in the lobby that you are able to uh, give there. Uh, if you're giving on the Church Center app, please just use the uh, gift uh, 
denomination uh, or category, I guess. There's one that says special gift 2022, but just make sure you find the one that just says gift because we want to support the work that God is doing in our students and in the staff there uh, at James Valley. So, hey, thanks for joining us so much this morning. We hope that uh, that word challenged you as you go into tomorrow and the rest of your week. But uh, just a reminder again, no house of prayer tonight. We resume that again next week. We'd love to connect with you if you are a guest here. Uh, We have a gift for you back at the lobby. And for any other information of things going on here at Restoration, don't hesitate to check out the tables in the lobby as well. God bless you, church. Thanks for being here. We'll see you next week.